Welcome. Uh, it's so great to have you here in our new venue. So, yay! Um, yeah, thank you so much to Costa here in Stone Market. We're so um, pleased to be here and to just have this amazing venue to host our gatherings. It's uh, so great to see you all. So thank you for coming out. Um, yes, uh, so um, my name is Stefan. It's great to see you all again. And um, today, um, I just want to uh, start by saying uh, we've got so much... Uh, planned for you here at Eden um, and I just want to kind of give you some of the heads up for things coming up soon. So if you don't know what Eden is, basically we are a place for young millennials to kind of come, connect and be with each other and also do things with one another as well. And we have different strands, uh, part of the Eden Gathering uh, community. So one of the uh, strands is what you're here um, enjoying today, which is the gathering where we get together and we talk through a topic. Um, and the other strand um, is where um, we have a social. So actually coming up this Saturday, if you're free, if you've got a couple of hours to spare, you just fancy hanging out with us again. Um, if you come along to Ipswich Super Bowl, um, then we'll be meeting at 12 p.m. and we'll uh, have a couple of games and uh, you will lose horribly to me because I'm amazing um, at bowling. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm actually really terrible. So you'll, you'll feel a great sense of joy in defeating me. Um, but uh, we will also go for drinks as well to commiserate afterwards and, uh, and to enjoy some food as well if you want. So please come along 12 p.m. tomorrow, uh, that's on Saturday. Um, the, uh, the 9th um, at 12 p.m. Uh, Super Bowl Ipswich. Okay, so that's a social and also coming up as well, um, we have, of course, our podcasts, which are, are released every Monday. Uh, have we got some podcast listeners in the room today? Woo! Excellent, good. Because my pod just dropped uh, recently and if you didn't listen to that, then I no longer like any of you, okay? Uh, no, but genuinely, uh, we love the podcast. It's such a great way to actually just, you know, give people a slice of what Eden's about every week and to allow people to enjoy that in the comfort of their homes, on their laptops, phones, uh, on their way to work or back from work. I just think it's great. So I hope you're enjoying it. Please continue to share and subscribe to all that. And finally, um, as well, I don't know if you know, but we have here uh, in the room uh, this evening, we have Josh Goddard, who heads up our Eden Axe brand. And uh, Josh does an, a fantastic job organizing lots of really great events for us to get involved with. Um, and we are going to be meeting on November the 30th, okay? Um, and we are going to be uh, in Bury. So if you're local to Bury, this is a perfect occasion for you uh, because we're going to be handing out uh, hot chocolates uh, to the residents of Berry, which is a really lovely thing to do. Ooh, yeah, hot chocolate. Yes, we love hot chocolate. Um, and uh, in addition to that as well, obviously, you know, there'll be lots of information. So please feel free to chat to either myself or Josh uh, or Emily, or we've got Sam as well, or anyone else um, who's associated with the Eden team. And um, we'll be more than happy to share all the information with you. But of course, we've got our Instagram, we've got our Facebook. Um, so you can always check out all the information on there regarding events and upcoming things to look forward to. So that's the kind of introductory stuff done and uh, this evening you may have noticed I've got a lovely lady to my left and uh, her name is Becky. So a round of applause for Becky. So good evening Becky, how are you doing? I'm very well thank you. Excellent. Wow yeah your voice is very echoey but oh, in yeah. a very majestic and very spiritual way coming from 
coming from the ether or something. Okay. 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 So, okay. Becky, it's so great to have you here. Um, and um, if um, people hadn't gathered from uh, some of the promotional stuff, um, you're going to be talking to us about a really interesting topic this evening. You're going to be talking to us about um, how God speaks into our lives. Mm. Um, and I think uh, for many people, this is a topic that when they've kind of perhaps taken their first few steps into um, Christianity and sort of discovering what it's all about and perhaps for the first time thinking about you know is there a God out there you know was I made by this God and for what purpose was I made for this God then somewhere along the way you start thinking is he going to talk to me yeah. are we going to have a conversation so it's something that people I think especially with prayer as well when a lot of people who perhaps are agnostic or even atheist will actually honestly say, yeah, I have prayed before. It's something that we're all kind of thinking about, like, does God speak into our lives? Hmm. So just as a kind of intro into that then, is this, is this a topic that has always kind of really spoke to you, uh, pun intended, or uh, is it something that, you know, is it something that is kind of uh, something that you've been thinking about a lot lately or recently? Um, I. If I'm completely honest, when I first kind of was given the title or the theme for this evening, I thought, oh my goodness, like, I don't even know what I would say about that because I don't really know what I think or whether I've got anything to draw on. Switch hands. Very majestic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I wasn't, when I initially heard the theme, I thought, actually, I don't know even what I would say about that. But the more I thought about it, the more I was kind of um, thinking about my journey of understanding that. And um, also, my, I suppose, mainly my confusions around that in um, kind of early faith life, and particularly um, when I started making the bigger decisions in life, like where to go to uni or um, dating or all of those different things, um, I suppose. Um, that's when you start to really kind of go, okay, God, like, I need some answers. I need you to yeah. tell me something. Um, and then if you don't experience what you would describe as, like, a tangible answer, then you have to kind of wrestle through, like, okay, what does that mean that God yeah. is And you mentioned, you mentioned your journey as well. So give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself then in terms of perhaps, um, you know, uh, sort of, just kind of growing up and discovering faith for the first time and maybe you know your kind of interaction with the forge because some people here probably may have seen you um through kind of social media on forge kind of um related stuff or even preaching at that's a pretty big deal yeah you are a pretty big deal <laughs> that's a complete joke but just for those who, who maybe don't know you very well give us a little bit of an insight into your kind of personal story and maybe a little bit of your faith yeah. journey so okay. we know where, where we kind of stand um, so I was brought up in a household, uh, mum was a Christian, dad was not, but dad was very sympathetic to it, so we went to church every Sunday. I grew up in a, um, what they would describe as very modern Church of England church, but what I would describe as quite a traditional church, um, uh, with um, a small group of young people around me who were a bit older than me, who were very kind of influential in my um, kind of journey into owning faith for myself. Um, because uh, you kind of reach a point in your life if you've grown up in a Christian household where you are kind of thinking is this something that I'm owning and is this something that I believe and accept for myself or is this just the thing that I do with my family so um, that journey for me probably was most influenced by the group of friends that I had at that church and um, events that I used to go to so 
Um, I was quite lucky to, um, I was just talking to some guys earlier, I was quite lucky to grow up um, in Ipswich at a time where there was quite a um, thriving community around mm. some kind of Christian youth events that were going on. So um, Emily Hannah, who's part of Eden, who you might have already met, used to be part of um, CYM, um, which is now what Josh works for. He's sporting Ooh. their logo very nicely. <laughs> um, but they used to run a lot of events and Sizewell weekends and things. Um, Sizewell is a conference centre on the coast. Um, and those events and being around other young people were like really influential for me and um, really pushed me forward in my faith journey. So I would say I was very passionate about faith from quite a young age, thanks to the influence of those people. Right. So it sounds like you had a really kind of in kind of um, supportive upbringing in terms of your faith, Massively in terms of the, so, yeah. the amount of people you had around you who, who kind of shared that faith and also helped you to kind of develop that faith. So I'm wondering then, you know, kind of in terms of your interaction with the Forge then, how did, how did that kind of change or transform or kind of push your faith forward in, yeah. in, in different ways? Or? So um, a bit of context, I uh, went, or when I was in sixth form, I was still going to this Church of England church that I'd grown up in, but all of my older friends who were part of that church had left and gone away to uni or moved on or left because they were bored of church or like not interested in faith anymore. So I didn't have a group of young people around me, but um, I met this guy at sixth form who was part of Forge Church. Um, and uh, I decided to, he invited me and a group of others along to this weekend away that they were doing um, and went there and uh, long story short, met a guy, you know, As you do. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, he asked me on a date and that was very nice, we went on a date, went on another date and uh, he was like, oh do you want to come along to um, a Forge Church on a Sunday? And I went along and I'd never been to a Sunday service like it because, um, largely because um, the series that they were doing at the time was just so um, practical. And it was about like, actually, how do you live this stuff out mm. Monday to Saturday? Um, and I hadn't experienced teaching like that before. The church I'd grown up in, you, uh, somebody stood up and they read out a bit of the Bible and they said, we're teaching through this book this month, and then they would read through, and then they would go through line by line and explain the lines of the Bible. Yeah. And that never made it come alive for me, and I didn't know what that meant for me, and it was kind of boring, but I went along to Forge, and um, the way that uh, the Bible came alive for me at that time, and the teachings, and how you can apply that to your life, and how your life is better because of it. Yeah, so you say the Bible came alive for you, like, when you say that, does that mean that, you know, for the first time you felt God speaking to you really tangibly or was it just you had some people who were able to interpret the word really, really cleverly and were able to kind of give you lots of insight? Would um, you say that you felt God speaking to you at that point? I think I wouldn't, descri I wouldn't have described that so much as like a feeling thing. Like I think I'd already had a lot of moments in my life where I'd had this kind of experience-based faith boost. Like I'd go away to one of these weekends and I felt really overwhelmed. I felt like God really loved me. And those moments were like, oh, God's like, God's doing something here and he is here and I'm experiencing him. And actually what kind of stepped my faith up a notch when I went to the forge and when I um, engaged with that kind of um, way of looking at the Bible practically and how it affects yeah. your life, that kind of moved my faith beyond just like those moments where I squeeze my eyes shut really tight and God says something to me or yeah. like I feel really loved to like, oh, like actually when I know this and mm. I like actually do it rather than just experience it or have it happen to me, um, 
my whole life is completely transformed, yeah. not just those moments where I'd have a high um, and then it would kind of fade and then yeah. I'd go back to an event and have another high yeah. and it would fade. So I suppose what you're talking about is that kind of that connection between the sort of knowing something to be true in your head and yeah. feeling it as well in your heart. It's kind yeah. of the connection between yeah. being emotional but and then also rationally thinking things through, going like, yeah, this totally makes sense. I totally yeah. understand how God is speaking to me through yeah. this. And, and it feels right. Yeah, and, and that transformed kind of, when we talk about God speaking to us, that can feel some, like something quite mysterious and intangible. Yeah. And actually that kind of flipped it to being something that's just very real and yeah. very part of everyday experience. It doesn't have to be this weird kind of yeah. mystical experience. It's and it's just, interesting you said that like for you, it's like the, the, you know, the Bible coming alive really felt, you know, that that kind of helped facilitate that connection in your head between yeah. what you felt in your heart and what you knew then in your head. So we'll probably come back to that a little bit, but I want to ask you a little bit about university because I think this has obviously been a big kind of, you know, part of your life recently. Yeah. Um, so you go to university and can you tell us what, what you studied at university? And what yes, you so um, <laughs> I did quite a niche uh, course, which was biblical studies and theology. Right. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what it. I studied. That's, that's not what yeah. I was expecting to study. Yeah. Um, I didn't know at all what I was going to study. I thought I was going to do English language one week. I thought I was going to do French. I thought I was going to do philosophy. Um, went to lots of university visits, found them very disheartening. Didn't know what decision to make. Why do you find them disheartening? Um, because I didn't know what to do and I wasn't excited by any of it. Mm. And it was kind of, I had heard other people say like, oh, you know, like, um, so say, if you haven't been around Christian circles before, or um, if you have, you'll know this, but people will say, like, oh, I'm kind of waiting for God to tell me what to do in this situation, or you use this language around, like, as it, like, God will kind of be like, okay, this is really clear, and this is the course you're gonna do, and this is the university you're gonna go to. And yeah. I had this kind of expectation that that was what was gonna happen, um, and that did not happen. And so then I was left thinking, okay, well, what does that mean, and how do I make that decision? Um, and really simply, and you might say there's a ton of explanations for this, or you, I think that it was like a God thing. Um, I was going to Nottingham to an open day, and the night before I just said, God, I'm not excited about anything, and I just all I want is to be excited about something. I don't care what the cause is, I don't care what it leads to, I just want to find something that actually excites me. And I went to Nottingham and I went to look at philosophy, and I accidentally went into the wrong I went into the wrong building right, okay. to go to the philosophy lecture. And this guy called Peter Watts, who is a professor at the University of Nottingham of Theology, uh, bumped into me in the corridor and said, hey, do you want to come in here and talk about theology instead? And I was like, OK. <laughs> uh, and then I went in, and they started talking to me. And then I was like, oh my goodness, this is really exciting. And then I felt like so excited. Yeah. And I was like, well. Great, like, okay, I'm just gonna do that and I don't know where it will lead and I don't know like yeah. whether there's a big plan to that. I'm just excited, so I'm gonna do something I'm excited about. So oh, that's why I did that. So you spend how many years there? So I spent three and a half years there mm -hmm. um, because I stayed on to do further study, but okay. um, didn't Well, let's talk that. about that then. So you do three years up in Nottingham and I think from conversations we've had in the past, I think you've found it a little bit difficult trying to find a church there as well, is that correct? Yeah, you, know, yeah, you didn't really find like a home church at that point and you just felt a little bit kind of, would that be fair to say, a little bit yeah. out of place? Yeah, yeah, I did. I found it quite hard to um, find my place in kind of um, 
yeah, the environments there, like the language that a lot of churches were using, I just found confusing and kind of weird. Yeah. And I like people who talk about faith normally and yeah. don't try and wrap it in funny spiritual bows. Right. And uh, I just found it really hard to find a place where I could just have a normal conversation with yeah. somebody about yeah. God. Sure. So, yeah. So, you're at university, you've done three years, finding it a little bit difficult to find a church, um, and and then you go to do a master's. Yeah. And I remember reading a post that you put up about around this time, I think, yeah. if I remember correctly. And it was really touching because it was basically you saying, I quit. Yeah. And it was like, I quit this, I quit Stop. that, I quit that, no. I quit that. <laughs> no. But like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, but I found it to be a really like powerful post because it was so heartfelt and so truthful. So can you tell us a little bit about the background of that and how mm. maybe at that point with your masters and withdrawing from your masters, you felt God sort of speaking into that time? So um, yeah, that post was a product of a lot of kind of undoing that happened in my life in that year. So um, I went into my masters having um, done. I did well at university and I loved it and um, I, a lot of my professors kind of praised me for what I had done and said, you've got to do a master's, you know, it'd be a waste if you don't. And I thought, wow, you know, that I should do that because you've got to seize every opportunity that comes and be the best that you can be. Um, so I stayed on and um, it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. It was the course I was on was quite isolating. There were a few circumstances around it that weren't the way I expected them. But the biggest thing that I realized is that um, my academic achievement and what I could produce and the essays I could write were, had just become everything to me. And they were my source of um, validity and value. And particularly, um, I'd encountered a few problems in my degree if you if you don't come from a Christian background, this sounds so strange because we're so far beyond this in the rest of culture. But sometimes in Christian circles or in quite it's quite big, I suppose, in the theology world, um, being a woman is still something that you have to kind of like prove yourself that you can still speak, that you can still um, have any kind of authority um, as a woman because it's a male-dominated area. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'd encountered a few problems where I felt like because I was a woman, I was being um, kind of shunned almost, or like you shouldn't say stuff like that, or you shouldn't be leading, or whatever. Um, and for that reason, I had clung on to the fact that I did well in essays and I did well in my course to make me go, okay, this proves, this proves to everyone who says a woman can't do this that I can do this. And so um, all of these circumstances were going on and I was just realizing I have placed all my value and achievement and everything in the wrong place. Um, I was, I'd sacrificed everything on the altar of study. So uh, relationships, yeah. community, I didn't go to church anymore even though my faith was still like a huge part of my life, I'd stopped going to church. Um, and I just thought, do you know what? Like I know that this isn't, the life that God intends me to live. I know that at the moment I'm not best positioned to follow Jesus the way that I believe so, I should follow him. So it's so. really interesting you say that because you said I know. So I want to kind of pick into that a little bit because I think we all end up in a situation one way or another where basically we're going to, without realising it, start worshipping something 
you know, mm. whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's uh, friendships, whether it's, you know, partners, whether it's, you know, activities or things or hobbies that we have. I think, you know, certainly from a Christian perspective, I think you can kind of see how that can end up getting in the way of a, a, a real relationship with God. So uh, did you come to a point where you realised that your relationship with God at that point was just not where it was meant to be and that you felt that you had to make a kind of a distinctive kind of change and a break from what you, in your own words, had kind of, you know, sacrificed everything on the altar. Is that, is that fair to say? Um, I think, for me, it wasn't... There was no lightning bolt moment. OK. Um, I made my best guess at the time based on people who were speaking into my life and saying, you're, everything's a bit of a mess and you're stressed all the time. And so people this, speaking to you So, life. yeah, that yeah. was huge. Um, when I talk about, like... Uh, what is the will of God for my life that um, for me will always be based on um, what I know about Jesus and um, what is in the Bible particularly yeah. in the New Testament so second half of the Bible um, and so looking at things like well um, Jesus always taught that people are the most important the person in front of you is the most valuable thing in the world mm. and I was not treating people like they were the most valuable thing in the world. Right. I was treating my laptop like it was the most valuable thing in the world. And so there was all a, the almost essays. like a biblical truth coming out yeah. at you at that time Massively. as well. Massively. But I, for a long time, I toed and froed on that decision of should I withdraw from my masters or should I stay on? Because I was terrified of making the wrong choice. Like what if I do the thing that God doesn't want me to do? What if I yeah. do the thing that I sh isn't in the plan or isn't, you know, and even if you don't believe in God, you might still have that idea that there's like a plan yeah. or a, you have know. a plan, this is yeah. what I'm going to do, this is how everything's going to work yeah. out, five um, years plan and everything. Yeah. And if I'm completely honest, I just came to the conclusion that the, the decision or, of whether to stay or go was a secondary decision to the decision of like, okay, what am I going to put first? What am I going to prioritize? Yeah. What um, am I going to allow to govern my life? Yeah. And I decided my best guess, and it was quite honestly a best guess at yeah. the time, was if I withdraw from my master's, I think I will be better positioned to prioritize the things I believe I should prioritize. Yeah. And um, that was really scary. And, yeah, I, and I had a month where every morning I woke up and I was going to stay. And then the next morning I woke up and I was going to go. And I was in bleed bits and I was terrified. Constantly, yeah, yeah, and I was wow. really terrified of the decision, but um, it's been worked for good so since then. So on reflection then, was it the right decision? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I imagine yes, but... I would, I would use that language that it's been worked for good. And okay. I have no idea what would have happened if I'd have stayed. And there are days when I think, oh, what could I have done? And yeah. um, when things are tough, uh, in like the life that I'm in now since I've left, I think, oh, this wouldn't have happened if I'd have just stayed in my yeah. master's. But um, yeah, it's, it's just been amazing to see how like something that I had put so much value on and I thought, you know, all my life plans and my future plans were based on the fact that I was going to be and have an MA after my name, you know, yeah. and um, letting that go and realizing that like um, things can still be worked out of that and that's been amazing. And so yeah. you men mentioned a couple of things, so just pick out. So you heard from people, people speaking yeah. to your lives. So I imagine this was like family, friends, yeah. people you trust and yeah. things like that. And you also felt like biblically, were you reading the Bible that time? You felt like things were coming out at, at you from the Bible that were kind of saying, you need to get your act in order, you need to kind of reconsider things and you need to, or was it yeah, just kind um, of things from like in your head that you'd kind of processed over yeah, time? Yeah, I think, um, 
I would describe it as uh, what I would say is self-talk. So, yeah. um, if like, so from what I, because uh, obviously I studied the Bible for three years, so I couldn't really get away from reading yeah. it all the time. So um, that was really good for me because that meant that I kind of a lot of the stuff got embedded in my head and that meant that when I had those moments I would self-talk and I would remember like bits of the Bible or stuff that Jesus did and be like okay this is not like the way that I should be thinking about this I should be thinking about it like this um, uh, so I wouldn't describe it as like reading the Bible yeah, and things like slapping like, me around the yeah, face sure. but I, I have you know people who've told me that they experience that quite so a lot what about things like because I think if you have, you know, some sort of knowledge of the Bible, um, but it's kind of linked, you know, in our language as well, you know, the notion of like miracles and signs and mm. things like that. Did you experience any of that? Did you experience like, you know, waking up one morning and like, you know, because we talked to Luke Allard like a couple of months back and, you know, he said that when he was going through a difficult time, you know, he woke up one morning and his laptop died, you know, and it was, that's what was happening in his life, like around the tension around his life yeah. was to do with, you know, his laptop and in particular to do with, you know, kind of this eBay kind of company that he was trying to promote and things like that. So was it something similar for you where you kind of woke up and things started to change, things started to happen, you kind of started to piece together um, perhaps things or was it? So a lot different? was going wrong. Okay. Um, my living situation was a problem. Um, the stuff, like there were some practicalities around the course and around the supervision I was getting and the way that the course was structured that was going wrong. Um, and, you know, maybe that was things yeah. that were being pointed out to me or maybe God was using those things to point things out to me. I don't know. Um, mm. But for a long time, it's funny because for a long time, if, if you'd have said to me like, oh, say, I don't, I don't, um, Let's think of an example. So something was going wrong in my living situation and that prompted me to make X decision. Um, and if you're not a Christian, you say, well, it's a coincidence. Like, that's well, completely that's explainable. Say, how how, how, do, you, how so, do you make sure it's not a coincidence in so, a way? Yeah. And then it struck me. I was like, well, just because it's explainable, it doesn't mean it's not God. And like, I, I, had, I think I'd kind of put God into like, well, God's only doing something if it's unexplainable. Right. And like, oh, well, your laptop died. Well, you know, laptops die. Like, yeah. that's not yeah. like, and if you're not a Christian, you would say, well, that's completely explainable. But I think suddenly I'm realizing like, God is part of our whole reality and um, using things all the time, like people and conversations and moments to teach us and, direct us and love us yeah um and just because it's explainable it doesn't mean it's not god and also it's faith building to see god in those things you know even if yeah you can't be 100 really percent sure yeah. like i never thought about that because i think we often do actually think god's only unexplainable like yeah. he's just completely mysterious you don't have any idea of what's going on and he's kind of like pulling the strings from behind the scenes and then we yeah. might get a glimpse of things every now and again through like a thunderbolt moment yeah. or a sign or a miracle or something like that but actually it's probably just a series of very explainable things it's like yeah maybe you shouldn't be doing that or maybe that isn't right yeah. for you or maybe you need to restore that relationship or repair you know that relationship yeah. in your life in some way or another. i think yeah because um Something that one of my professors used to say at university, I did this great, sorry, this is a tiny bit of a tangent, but I think it's cool. Um, I did this great <laughs> module um, on Darwinism and right. the theology of Darwinism, it was called. And it, it, the professor who did it, he was absolutely awesome. And he talked about um, 
the secularization of reality, which basically means um, everything that's supernatural and everything that's abnormal and everything that's miraculous is God stuff, yeah. and everything that's normal and natural and material and we can see is not God stuff, it's yeah. secular stuff. Mm -hmm. But actually, like, God is a God of the natural, like he yeah. made the natural and all of those natural experiences and normal things and not miraculous things are still like full of God and his character. Absolutely. That's, that's a tangent. No, but it's fascinating because <laughs> I think that's, that's a discussion certainly we can like continue afterwards as well because I think, you know, um, I, well, if anyone knows me, I love, I love talking theology, so uh, I'm sure there's lots of people. Um, and uh, in any case, um, I was going to ask as well, like, so it seems to me like a lot of what you're saying is that basically God speaks to us in loads of different ways. It's mm. through people, it's through the Bible, um, you know, it can be through perfectly explainable things that happen in your life, which, you know, some people might argue, well, you're choosing to interpret that as God, mm. and you're not really kind of examining it as of what it is and kind of thinking about it. Um, but as you've already said, just because it's explainable doesn't mean it's not God, you know, insofar as something that is unexplainable, you would associate as mm -hmm. God. So I wonder then, what other faculties do we have in order to kind of test that it's God? Because I'm, I'm sometimes, I'll be sitting, you know, thinking to myself like, yeah, maybe, maybe it is God. Maybe God is telling me to do this. Or maybe I'm just thinking about something differently for once. And maybe I need to like act on mm. something or, you know, maybe it's a relationship or, you know, that I'm not really sure about. Or maybe it's, um, you know, maybe a financial situation where I think like, oh, actually I've got less money in my bank account. Maybe I should stop buying so much <laughs> stuff, you know. Um, or is it, you know, when, for example, you know, you kind of say a prayer and you think like, oh, I really hope God answers this prayer because it'd be really good. And then, you know, something happens or for that matter, it doesn't happen. Like, I'm always wondering, what's the, like, what's the litmus test? How do you know mm. if it's God kind of, putting his thumbprint on it, you know, it's mm. like, yep, that's me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you know that? How do you know that mm. God's speaking to you? I Answer. don't know, <laughs> I don't know, but I do want to say one thing off the back of that, which okay. is that for some of us, um, we want a very individualized, personalized version of what it looks like to be a Christian, or, okay, if God had a plan for my life, I want the the personal Becky Roberts unique plan. Now, you know, you are completely unique and I'm completely unique and oh. the, the circumstances we will experience, like no one's gonna live your, like there'll never be another you and, and God's um, plan and purpose for your life is deeply personal in that, you know, that like the, Jesus said the hairs on your head are numbered by God, like he knows you that intimately, but actually, when it comes to like how to live, the primary call on your life is to follow, and in everything, to follow. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think that um, getting to know Jesus through the stories that have been faithfully handed on to us by people who were there, who saw him, who followed him, who loved him, who doubted him, um, who were convinced by him, um, that is the best way to, um, wrestle through God's will for your life in in and that covers so much relationally financially personally spiritually all of those things would you say and that the bible is complete in that sense in terms of a guidebook for life i would say that oh, <laughs> i would say that the principles that are laid out 
by Jesus and um, as people unpacked what the, the way that Jesus taught people to live um, in their context. The principles, as in not the personalized version, but uh, like what's underneath that are, are almost exhaustive. Like mm. love God with everything, love one another. And um, my favorite preacher, Andy Stanley, always says in every circumstance, ask this question and only this question, what does love require of me here? Mm. And that's pretty exhaustive. Like if you actually do that in everything, yeah. it covers kind of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, you might be thinking, well, actually, that's not that helpful for like, I just want to know well, about I this think, specific I think, decision. I think, I think most people who probably, you know, wouldn't label themselves as Christian, you know, maybe kind of sit in a kind of agnostic kind of camp or maybe have some kind of openness to an idea that something kind mm. of outside of reality that is kind of governing things. Mm. Um, you know, the sort of, if you look at the natural world, there's kind of that fine tuning argument, everything seems to work so beautifully in harmony. Um, you know, um, if you reject that, you know, totally and you're kind of naturalist, you're like basically science is everything, science explains everything, then love is just basically totally subjective, isn't it? Mm. It's like, well, what's love? You know, what okay, does love yeah. look like? And so, but I think most people would be able to say, yeah, I think, being loving is a good mm. principle because actually that's you know some people talk about this like uh, sorry again name dropping but like a Sam Harris will say like how do we maximize the mm. the utmost like good basically yeah. for society and so okay. doing things yeah. that you know produce that so mm. harmony within society are going to be things we should strive after so yeah. actually I think I think most people will probably be in agreement. Yeah. And then it's a question of what is love and what so, what, what yeah. does loving one another look like? And I suppose mm. I, you seem pretty, I mean, certain that it's definitely Jesus is the model. The for best that. example of yeah. love. That, yeah. yeah, I do believe that. I Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great thing for people to wrestle with. Mm. Um, but when it comes to those like those individual moments, like, okay, I've got this financial decision to make, I've got this future decision to make, I've got this work decision to make. Um, I think that um, acting on what you know and being open-handed with it, and by that I mean like um, not holding so tightly onto your decisions that you cannot possibly fathom that you would ever do anything another way, mm. um, but acting on what you know and and holding it lightly. Um, what does that mean, holding if, it lightly? What does that mean? Um, does that make, basically mean just keeping an open mind to things changing? Yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, being, not putting, like, not putting everything, it has to be this thing, it has to be this job, it has to be this decision or everything else is out. Does that, does that mean sometimes we mishear God as well then? So sometimes we misinterpret what God's trying to say to us. Is that is that holding it lightly as well? That basically you might be wrong, that you might have made the wrong decision, that you might not actually know what's best for you. Was that that being encompassed? Um, I it? wouldn't want anyone to get tied up in an existential angst <laughs> that they might be doing the wrong thing. Wrong. <laughs> but that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make. Is actually I think that we're obsessed with this like there must be one idea and one decision and that's the right. And actually the first um, call on your life is to follow. And whether you're following in this job or that job or with that relationship or this relationship, um, what 
is the how can you put yourself in the circumstances where you are best able to do that? I would say if you if you want to be a follower of Jesus, okay. that's the most important way that you can make decisions. And then also, I think trust. First of all, in the fact that God has created you to be able to make decisions and discern, and and also that if there's something so important that you absolutely have to do it, if you are seeking God and you are seeking His will, He will. He will lead mm. you into that. So, okay, I'm going to take this one step further then. If we take the character of Moses, right? So Moses, if people don't know, he basically finds his way into an adoptive family. He uh, ends up you know, in the Egyptian court, he becomes a prince. Um, and he kills a slave master. Um, and uh, he's then basically driven into exile. Uh, and he goes and spends about 40 years in the wild as a, as a shepherd. Um, and then one day he comes across this burning tree and it's the God of Israel who's speaking to him. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's interesting to me because I think sometimes as a Christian we have this kind of, uh, especially in the 21st century, this kind of sense, this sort of sense of, well, that was in the Old Testament that God mm. used to speak to us that way, and like, and now things are different. And obviously, we have the personage of Jesus, and you know, God, man made flesh. Um, but I still think, like, why don't we have those burning tree moments mm. anymore? Like, and why doesn't God appear to us in those ways? And maybe just is like personally, but I feel sometimes you know others will probably ask the same question as well. It's like, why doesn't God appear to me in the in the ways that I read He appears in the Bible mm. to people? You know, in the form of a, like a like a cloud or something like that, or you know, mm. all the different kind of descriptions that were given of God. Is that? Do you have? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought mm. about why doesn't God speak to me in more like visible <laughs> yeah. ways rather than kind of yeah. in these really subtle ways? I think um, because especially if you're well, a non-Christian as well, you might be thinking yeah. that yourself. It's like, yeah. well, why? Were, if God really wants to speak to me, why is He not going out of His way to find me? Mm. Um, I'm not saying so, that's the case, but you know. Yeah, um, I, I don't have, you know, I, I don't, I'm, this is not, <laughs> you know, don't take my word as gospel. Um, I think the first thing I would say to that is that um, I've heard stories where God speaks to people in completely miraculous ways and loudly and clearly. Um, and I believe that God still does that um, in unique situations. Um, and I've heard real, what I would describe as miracle stories in people I know. Um, where that's happened. Um, Moses didn't sit next to that bush waiting for God to set it on fire. And uh, if God wants to speak to you like that, uh, <laughs> like, he'll probably get your attention. Um, Moses was living the life that he knew mm. and, and God intervened. Um, but secondly, why doesn't God, oh, why, why won't God show me, you know? Why, that cry that we've all done, you know? Yeah. Why doesn't God show me what he thinks I mean, about I, me? I, I know, I've prayed prayers where I, like, I was in a really tough position, I literally pulled over my car and I got out and I just said, just turn up, yeah. turn up right now, please. And, and like, I mean, I, 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 would say, I would say this, I definitely felt something. You know, I was, I, something within me started to change, but, mm-hmm. I still wanted, I still, part of me still wanted a, like a visual representation you know of God. That is so, that's so cool, you know, that you would feel that way. But I would say he showed up. Yeah. He showed up big. And, and this is what, 
this is what Christians believe about Jesus, mm. that that was God making himself 100% visible, showing up, coming to you and to me and saying, I'm here, I love you, I would do anything even up to death mm. and beyond for you. Um, and even though that's hard because it's like, well, that was a long time ago <laughs> yeah. and I can't see Jesus. Um, I really believe that God has fully shown up mm. and that the best thing that we can do is cling on to. Because I, for a long, long time in my life, I, when I was going to these events and I was having these really high spiritual moments, I thought that was what it looked like for God to show up in my life. And if he didn't do that, I thought, well, where is God? You know, does he care? Then there's the person next to me who's having this amazing moment. And I'm like, where's God in my where's life? My moment, does yeah. he love me? Does he want, a, does he have things for me? Like, is he here? Mm. And um, actually, and it's, it's not me putting a downer on those moments and saying they don't matter. Because I know for loads of people, they've been huge and, and transformational in people's faith. But you don't, you don't need to wait for that. And that's not the, that's not the proof that God loves you and that's not the proof that God is there and it's not the proof that God is real. The, what I would consider to be the biggest evidence that God exists and that he loves you is the person of Jesus, the fact that he died and the fact that people who believe that he was dead claimed that they saw him come back to life. Mm. Um, and uh, to me, that is everything that we should pin all of those things on where we have those moments where we're like, I need God to show up right now. And I just sometimes I feel like God is saying, you know, I did. <laughs> yeah. I sh I've shown you. Yeah. Fantastic. So let's get into some of the sort of the practical implications of all this then. Because I think what we definitely want people to feel like they can come away from tonight is the fact that they've, you know, got a few ideas of how mm. maybe they can look to kind of hear God in their lives. Um, and do you want to just walk us through some of these practical steps and some of the things you've thought about? Um, yeah, so I'm going to just refer, refer to, to your notes. So the first one is basically comes right off the back of um, what I've just said, which might not feel particularly satisfying, but um, I've found that whilst short term it doesn't feel as satisfying, long term this is the kind of richest way that I experience um, the voice of God and the direction of God in my life, which is that um, God has already completely revealed who he is, what he thinks of you, what he thinks of the person next to you, and how he wants you to live. And you get to access that um, by engaging with the Bible, which I know is a complicated book and a difficult book, but if you can find resources and ways and people who can help you to unpack that in your life, you won't regret it. And in the person of Jesus. Um, and even if your first step was to engage with the story of Jesus for the first time um, or talk to people about who Jesus was and what you think Jesus mm. means, um, that, that is the, the best step you can take if um, you want to, if, if you have that, like, I need to know what God wants for my life because sure. that has... Um, yeah, there's already a ton of stuff you can know without waiting for him to yeah. lightning bolt you. Yeah, sure. So the other thing you've um, mentioned to me before as well is this notion of 
you know, if you're waiting for God to speak to you about something specific, mm. um, yeah. what do we so, do then? So that would be my second point, which is um, as you do that, as you follow, as you try to live your life um, according to the principles that Jesus taught, um, pay attention to the times where you get caught, basically. So if I'm trying to follow and I'm trying to live my life the way that Jesus taught me to live, and there's something getting in my way of doing that, or there's something that's bringing out the worst in me, or there's someone that's bringing out the worst in me, or there's a situation that I'm using as an excuse to stop me from being everything that God is calling me to be, then you pay attention to that. And maybe you need to make a decision to do something differently. So for me, this is exactly so this why this boils down to um, the decision I made with my masters. Right. There was, um, I was getting caught in a situation where I didn't know how to follow. And do you know what? I wish I could have followed better in that situation. I'm not saying that that situation made it 100% impossible to follow. I just decided this is not a situation where I'm putting the right things first and I'm going to change something drastic so, so that I can do that. Just to unpick that a little bit, does that mean that you didn't, you didn't know how to follow or that you weren't following or that you felt you, you couldn't follow? Which one was it? Was it all three or was it one? Or I wasn't following. You weren't. And I felt like I couldn't. Okay. That, that's probably yeah. an excuse. Okay, good. I just wanted to clarify um, that because it's a really interesting point. But yeah, because I think that's for people perhaps in certain situations, they'll be thinking to themselves, am I doing the right thing? Where it's yeah. like, well, are you following Jesus in this? So, and I'm, can you follow Jesus in this or not? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'll just, uh, yeah, so if you have that specific situation that you're trying to make a decision in, um, I would just encourage you not to feel like you have to wait for a big signpost or okay. a burning bush moment. If God speaks to you from a burning bush, you should definitely pay attention. But I think like live your life by those principles and pay attention to those things. And when you feel pulled in two different directions and one is in the direction of following Jesus and the other is in the direction away from that, um, and there's something that you can see is stopping you, mm. then I think that like God is speaking to you in that. So let's get into that, that because pulling in the opposite direction moment. Your third point is, I believe, if I remember correctly, is that you know we think we can't hear God because He's out there in deep space. Yeah. But there's actually a deep space within us, and I think, if I'm correct, you're talking about a soul there. So is that yeah. Fair? So yeah. So probably the biggest barrier that we think to accessing God is yeah. like he feels far away. Yeah. Um, and that's what, like you say, that's what stops us from hearing him. Um, I think in a world full of distraction and busyness, probably the biggest thing that stops us from actually paying attention to those places where things are not right um, is that we're not like making space in our lives to access. Yeah, so I'll, I'll call it that deep space. And whether, whatever you believe about people and God and life, everyone knows that there's, there's more to you than just like yourselves, right? Like mm. there's something within you that goes a lot deeper yeah. than what you can see. Um, and I would call that, you know, we might call that something like a soul or a spirit. And whether you're a Christian or not, you might use that language, but that place within you, yeah. where sometimes you pause long enough to hear like, I'm in pain or I'm struggling or those moments where you're completely overjoyed and it seems to come like from deep within you. Yeah. 
So my third point is about making space and time in your life where you can actually listen to access that part of you. So um, I'll give you an example of this so that it doesn't become too intangible because I've been told <laughs> I work too much in the theoretical. Um, <laughs> Is that feedback on an so, essay or something? Or? <laughs> so there's a feedback on a lot of things. Um, <laughs> so um, I have I walk to work and back every day. Yeah. And um, it's a 40 minute walk there and back. And um, or sometimes I get the bus if I'm feeling lazy. Um, so, I, uh, when I first started commuting, if you can call it that, I call it commuting, I mean really it's walking across Ipswich town, but it makes me feel more important to say I'm a commuting. A short commute, a very short um, commute. Yeah, so um, I used to use that time to listen to podcasts, to listen to music, I just, you know, watch Netflix or, you know, whatever. So, like, just do something and be busy and be sure. preoccupied. Um, and one day I packed the wrong headphones and my headphones didn't work and so I couldn't listen to anything and I walked for 40 minutes in complete silence and I never spent that amount of time in silence and on that walk I realised so many things about stuff I was finding difficult at work moments where things seemed to be going wrong and I didn't really know why stuff that I was struggling with and blah 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 and by the time I... and then like I did that kind of self-talk thing that I talked mm. about very briefly earlier where I was like thinking about those things and like what does God say about that and what does God say about that and by the time I got to work I was like I'd had like a revelation <laughs> like, yeah. and, and things were starting to shift in my mind and I realised like in all of the distraction and busyness I wasn't listening to what was going on in there right. and therefore I wasn't listening to what God would say about it right and so okay. I was just living in the, these things that I was struggling with and not allowing so it's almost like you're cluttering yourself up to yeah. the point you just can you couldn't hear through all the noise yeah, yeah exactly totally. and I yeah. think all of us have that and so um, maybe it would be a case for you of finding that time where you distract or preoccupy yourself even with good things like I was listening to podcasts I thought you know it's really educational and great but actually I wasn't being quiet yeah um, and you weren't being alone with God really yeah, yeah yeah and so if you can find those moments whether you're a Christian or not where where you can just turn off the noise and the distraction and actually pay attention to what's going on in there because yeah. <laughs> um, there's probably something that is going on that that you might need to listen to fantastic um, and yeah. maybe in that moment God might point you in a direction that you need to go in. He might speak to you. Excellent. Right, well, thank you so much, Becky. It's been thank fantastic you. to hear you talk on this really great topic. Can we have a round of applause for Becky as well? Thank you. Okay, so um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, obviously, this event continues, um, but if you're joining us uh, via the podcast, um, then this is where we leave you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please uh, do tune in next uh, week and next Monday uh, for the next pod, and do join us again uh, for the next Eden event. Um, which is when, going to be next year. Which is the no. December the 5th, so we'll see you see you then for our Christmas event, and uh, same place, same time. Look out for us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, more information to come soon. And we look forward to seeing you then.